on, everybody, and welcome to the Uncensored Christian Podcast. My name is Dante Williams, and I'm honestly sick and tired of this weather. Sick and tired of it. I'm so ready for summer. Um, if any of y'all like me, I'm more of a summer person. Some of y'all may be fall, winter, maybe cold-blooded. I really don't know. But for me, it's summer. Um, I love getting out in the hot sun, especially because, like right now, coming out of winter, I'm like a nice caramel when I get into the summer, boy, I turn into a dark chocolate Hershey kiss drop. Oh, I'm telling you, I cannot wait for summer. But if I'm being completely real with you, which I try and aim to do here, if I'm being completely real with you, I only like summer for about one and a half months. About one and a half, that's it. Anymore, it starts to get annoying to me because especially in Oklahoma, if y'all from Oklahoma, you understand this, but... It's not just summer in Oklahoma, right? It's like it's like the Arizona desert in Oklahoma. And it gets humid, and so it's always so hot. And so, yeah, you can swim, but you'd be boiling. You know what I'm saying? You, you can't just enjoy the weather because it gets so hot. So about a month and a half into summer, I'm sitting here begging for winter. I'm like, yo, please, winter, come around. I'm ready for the cold weather. I'm waiting for the hot cocoa. I'm ready to put on my scarf and, and some extra layers and feel good. I'm ready to see the snow. But then about a month and a half into winter, I start to like winter again. And it's kind of weird because we get into these cycles where we enjoy something and then when we don't enjoy it, we look back on the past and we wish for the same thing that we just wished away. And and what I've realized is that our present is our perspective. Where we're at in the present time changes our perspective on what we saw in the past. And our, our walk with God is kind of the same way. Our relationship with God is kind of the same way because when you're in God's presence, he changes your perspective. When you're in God's word and you're in his presence, he changes your perspective on how you see the world, on how you see your struggles, on how you see the way that you enjoy your job. He changes your perspective. And and God actually changed my perspective the other day on something. Um, and I was actually really shocked when it happened because I was just I was just reading my Bible, preparing for this message. And I wasn't even going to speak on what I'm speaking on today, but I was preparing a word and on my Bible app, there is a daily verse that pops up, and it was John three sixteen. And I'm gonna be honest with you, I was like, "That's kind of whack." Like, like I was expecting to see some verse I never seen. Like, out of all the verses, the hundreds and thousands of words, all the books in the Bible, you gonna give me John three sixteen? I've seen this a million times. Even people who aren't really Christians know John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whosoever believe in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Everybody knows it. And I was, I was like, well, that's kind of whack that this popped up in my daily verse. And, and it's like God spoke to me and He said, "Hold up, try and change your perspective, because how I've always heard this verse preached is for God so loved the world that He gave." His only son. Okay, so God loved, so he gave. You you give to what you love. You invest in what you treasure. So if you say you love your spouse, but you never really give him your time. You say you love God, but he's always fifth on your to-do list of your daily tasks. And that's always how I've heard this message 
preached and and God said, I'm gonna show you something different because I I really do think that most people are missing my heart in this verse. They're missing the big picture on why I had to send my one and only son so you guys could have eternal life. So I did some digging. I did some research. And and I came across this, this verse in John 1, 12. And it says, but to all who did receive him, now John is talking about Jesus, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Okay, so this verse is saying, if you believe in his name, you now can become children of God. So when I read John 3, 16 again, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him, and John 1, 12 says, who believes in his name have the right to be children of God. So he gave his only son that his children of God should not perish, but have eternal life. And, and God said, the heart of what I'm trying to relay in this message is not just that, you know, I love, so I gave it. It was almost like a rescue mission. It's almost like Jesus was a, was a character in a John Wick movie or like Jesus was Jason Bourne or something where he was the one and only person that could save the world from themselves. But this was a little bit different because God was sending his one and only son to come down to earth so that we could believe in him and become children of God so that he then could bring his children back home. And to understand why God would do something like this, because I questioned God. I was like, Lord, this, this does not sound rational. <laughs> it, this doesn't sound like, like a smart thing to do. You understand what I'm saying? Because you have your perfect son. He ain't never done nothing wrong. You love him. He loves you. He is perfect. Never sinned, never, never betrayed you, nothing. And you're going to send him to die for a bunch of people who have constantly sinned and rebelled against you like that makes no sense and god says of course it don't make sense it doesn't no no way and how does it make sense that that a perfect god should send his perfect son to die for imperfect people but that is the love that god has for us that he made an irrational choice in our minds so we could be redeemed but we have to understand why he had to do this in the first place so when adam and eve sinned in the garden they brought sin into the world. Now, the wages of sin is death. That's what the word of God says. And so something has to die for our sins. Something has to, to be punished and die for our sins. So God allowed us to have animal sacrifices. And what this would be is once a year on the day of atonement, you'd have a, a, the high priest go through and make a sacrifice of a pure, that the best animal that they could find, whether goat, sheep, bull, whatever, and they would sacrifice it. And they would sacrifice it in place of their sin. So symbolically, this animal would take the sins that we all have and it would die for us. So now we would be covered. But here's the problem. Is that an animal sacrifice is never good enough to fully redeem us from our sins and continue to redeem us from our sins forever. Because they had to do this once a year. And, and they had this tabernacle. It was almost like a tent where they would go in and they would make these sacrifices. And in, in the back of the tabernacle, there's a place called the Holy of Holies. And this is where God actually was present. His presence was in the Holy of Holies. Now, you had to be pure. Your, all your sins had to be cleansed. You could not have any sin or impurity on you if you were to walk into the Holy of Holies because God 
is perfect and pure and sin cannot be in his presence. So if you tried to walk in there as one of God's people and you had just sinned or you just had an evil thought or anything, you would die instantly in his presence, instantly. It's impossible for sin to be in God's presence. So there was a problem where God loved his people, but they kept sinning and they kept sacrificing, but it really wasn't doing what it needed to do to redeem them so they can never truly be in God's presence. They could never fully approach God with confidence that they could be in his presence. So he had to send Jesus to change that. Now, the title of this message is, Who's Your Daddy? I'm going to say it again just in case you thought I was playing. The title of this message is, Who's Your Daddy? Now, let me explain. So, when I was a kid, anytime I would go out to the store, either with my mom, grandma, whoever, if my dad wasn't with me, let's say he was at work or, you know, chilling at home. If my dad wasn't with me, I always thought I was seeing him everywhere. Now, you have to understand, my dad, if you've never seen him, is a big, bald, black dude. Buff, bald, and black. The three Bs. That's all I can explain for you to truly understand this. And I would go throughout the store, and if I saw a buff, bald, black dude, I automatically thought it was my dad. My mom has even told me stories where there were times where I'd see just a bald, black dude, and I'd be like, Daddy, Daddy. But it wasn't my dad. And so I would always think that these people were my dad. I, I thought I was seeing him in places where he wasn't. And I came to realize that I did that because he wasn't in my presence and I wasn't in his presence. But anytime I would be out in public with my dad, where he's close to me, he's in my presence. I know he's here. I never questioned it. I never looked around and said, is that, is that my dad? Is that him over there? Is that him getting groceries? I never had to question it because my dad was in my presence. And so when when God sent Jesus onto the earth to try and redeem us from our sins, there were people who were not close enough to God's presence that didn't even know that they were looking at their Savior. Jesus would walk among them, teach them, be with them, and they had no clue that they were walking with the Messiah because they weren't in God's presence. And we see this so many times in the Bible where, where people would ridicule Jesus. They call him a liar. They call him a false prophet. Even the Pharisees would question Jesus on the very things that they claimed to be experts in. And even the people who claimed to be closest to God's presence didn't even see that Jesus was right in front of them. But luckily, there's a few people that did. And in Matthew chapter 8, we see Peter have Jesus come into his house. Peter's mother-in-law was sick. She was ill. She had a fever. And Jesus walked up into his house, and he healed her. And she, she rose up, and she started praising him, singing his praises. And, and I noticed something. I was like, okay, Jesus walked up into this house, and all of a sudden, things started changing. They allowed God into their presence and all of a sudden he started making a change and i wonder because so often we always talk about how we love god and 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 we want to be with god but we want god to let us into his kingdom but we won't even let him into our house we won't even let him 
into our, our house. It's like we have Jesus sitting out on the front porch. He's looking through the glass door and he's like, hey, you don't have to let me in. You, you don't have to. I'm not going to force you, but I would love it if you let me in. I'd, I'd love to see what we got to work with here. And I'd love to help you. And you're like, you're like, no, 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 Lord. I, my house is a mess. I can't let you in. I, I, got, I got a mess in the kitchen. I got a mess in the living room. How about this? How about you stay out there until I get the mess cleaned up? You already know I'm going with this. You stay out there before I get the mess cleaned up. And then and then once it's cleaned up, Lord, then you can come in and, and we can be together. But the funny thing is, is that if we don't let Jesus in and we make him wait until our mess gets cleaned, he's going to be out on that porch for the rest of our lives. Because I think we miss a, a key point where we think that Jesus only came to redeem, but he didn't came to renovate. Because I asked this question to God and I was like, Lord, you realize that if the only goal was to just have Jesus be the perfect sacrifice for our sins so that we could be in your presence. If that's the only goal is for Jesus to be the perfect sacrifice so we don't have to kill an animal once a year to to have our sins covered. If that's the only goal, then you could have just sent Jesus down to redeem us. He could have lived a normal life. He could have got straight A's. He could have had a little girlfriend, maybe had a little family, could have kept building stuff in carpentry and wood, maybe built a few houses. And then somehow you could have made it where he just died and boom, now our sins are covered. But God didn't just do that. He could have, he could have, he could have just sent Jesus just to die and that's it. But our God is not just a redeemer. He's a renovator. He doesn't only want to take away our sins. He wants to teach us how we can stay away from sin and how we can live a joyful life. So Jesus is the redeemer and the renovator. He wants you to let him in your house so he can renovate what's going on. But we think that all he wants to do is ridicule. We get scared that he wants to judge us. And so instead of letting him inside, we think that if we let him inside the house, he's going to go, ugh. I see what you did on that that couch last night. I can't I can't be in here. You you nasty, you evil. We we think that he's gonna walk up in the kitchen and say, I know it's in your trash can. I I can see all the bottles that you downed last night to try and ease your pain. We we think he's gonna come in to our situation, into our home, into our life, into our fears, into our pain, into our guilt, and we think that he's gonna ridicule us when all he wants to do is renovate us. And all Jesus is trying to say is, Hey, look. Look, look, I, all I want to do is, is take that, that pain in the corner of your living room. All I want to do is take the shame that you felt in the bathroom the other night. I, I just want to take that. Can I just take it with me? I'm not going to ridicule. I just want to take it with me, and I'm just going to go lay it down on this cross that I died on for you. Because all your pain, all your struggles, all your fears, past relationships that broke you, all, all of that. We're just going to lay that down on the cross that, that I died for because it's already paid for. You don't have to take this burden. It's already paid for. And I think what we're missing in, in John 3.16 is that God saw that his children were lost. I mean, they were right there, but they couldn't be in his presence. So his his children were lost. And how do you let someone know that they're lost when they don't even know that they're missing? He had to send Jesus down to tell us that we're missing and to show us what we're missing. And Jesus, time and time again, 
made it very clear to us that what we're missing is him. That if we just believe in his name, we can be children of God. So when Jesus came down to this earth, he was not just trying to redeem his people. He was trying to recruit God's children to come back home. Because when Jesus died and he rose from the dead, that tent where God was separated from his people, that tent was no more. Because now we have the everlasting, eternal forgiveness for our sins because Jesus died on the cross for us. Now, there's something cool I got to show you because if you're, if you're not on board with this whole, oh, we're children of God and, and you know that's why he did it, you got to listen to this verse. In Philippians 3, 19 through 20, this is what it says. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you may think, that's kind of cool. Our citizenship is in heaven. Yeah, that's cool. But you got to understand the context so you can really get the meaning. Because in, in Philippians, who's writing? It's Paul. Paul's writing to the church in Philippi. And Philippi at this time was under Rome. Now, at this time in Rome, if you wanted to become a citizen, there were some rules that you had to follow. It wasn't just like nowadays where in most countries to be a citizen, if you just live in the borders and you pass a test and you get your documentation, you can be a citizen just like that. No, 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 no. That's not the case. That's not how it worked here. So Paul is writing from the context of the citizenship in Rome. And in Rome, for you to be a citizen, you had to be born in Rome. Well, that's kind of cool because Jesus says that if we believe in him, that we're born again. Oh, so if we have to be born to be a citizen in heaven, and if we follow Jesus and believe in him, we're now born again. Now, that's what makes someone happy. But I'm not done yet because you couldn't just be born in Rome to be a citizen. Your parents had to be citizens as well. So that means they couldn't be a slave in Rome and have a child and you be born and now you're a citizen. But here's some good news is that not only when we receive Jesus Christ are we born again, but we have a heavenly father who is not only a citizen in heaven, but he is the king. Oh, oh. This is good. So when I say that Jesus came down to bring God's children back home, you should understand that that is what this verse is saying. And it makes me so happy because we're not only just God's people. One thing I notice is in the Old Testament, we're never referred to as children of God. But in the New Testament, when we have Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are referred to as children of God so many times. And when we are the child of someone, we get their inheritance. But we're not just a child of anyone. We're the child of the king of all kings, Lord above all lords. And his inheritance is the glory of heaven. So I need someone to understand today that, that Jesus came to not only redeem, but to renovate. And I just hope that if you haven't already, that you accept Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for whoever's listening today. Wherever they are, whatever they're dealing with, Lord, I pray that you just reach your hand out to them. And you just give them peace. And give them love. Give them hope. Lord, I pray that if there's someone listening who has not yet received you and they're wanting to, and they're wanting to be forgiven for their sins and be born again into the kingdom of heaven, 
Lord, I pray that you just receive them today. I pray that you just help them walk in your love, in your light, and whatever struggles that they're dealing with, I pray that you just step into that situation that you renovate it. Lord, we all have a mess in our house, in our life, in our minds, in our spirits, in our hearts. Lord, I pray that you just allow us and help us to open the door even when we feel like our, like our house is messy. And Lord, I just pray that you protect us all in this time and that you give us peace. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. I want to thank you all so much for hanging out with me today and listening to this podcast. If this has encouraged you, I pray that you just share it with one of your friends. Let someone else be encouraged from this as well. All of the other videos and podcasts and my social media links are all in the description down below. So go ahead and check it out and I will see y'all next week. Peace.